the horror cast and other genres recorded straight out of Norma Bates basement dun 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 that's the sound of the 4th of July weekend what's up everybody welcome to the dawn of the horror cast it's Alex as you know if you listen to the show hope everyone's doing well I'm doing very well personally myself. Hope everyone's enjoying the 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you have off of work on the 4th. I do, which is good. Just started a new job and I'm happy with that. So yeah, yeah, life is going well right now. So wanna keep that up, you know. I actually want to get this recording over with soon so I could watch the new Beavis and Butthead movie that came out a couple of weeks ago. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet considering that Beavis and Butthead is one of my favorite 90s things ever. So I'm fucking up with that. I can't believe I haven't seen it yet. That's my goal for tonight is to watch that. I'm sure it'll be fucking hilarious. So today, I'm doing something a little different. I'm flying solo again, just like in Piranha. Unfortunately, I'm not talking about Jaws. I said during the Piranha episode that I would like to do an episode dedicated to Jaws. Unfortunately, that's not happening yet. But what I am going to do today is discuss everything that's wrong with Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. This is actually going to be like a death match between Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. We're going to figure out what movie is worse. Jaws 3D versus Jaws the Revenge. And I'm pretty excited to talk about that. 
I decided to leave Jaws 2 out of it because it's not as bad as everybody says it is. I know. Oh, some people think that it's worse than 3 and 4, which those people are just out of their minds. Like, relax, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not a Spielberg movie. It definitely is corny, but... It's not corny on a three level. It's not corny on a four level. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a teen slasher movie with a great white shark. That's all it is. It's, it's the burning in the ocean. A shark with a half burned up face. Almost seems like he wants revenge because he's badly scarred. But nah, it's just about a hungry shark that just wants to eat kids. Because he's... He's a monster shark and he just wants to eat. When the movie Jaws first opened, it created a sensation. And shark sightings increased by the thousands in all the vast and unknown depths of the ocean. How could there have been only one? I'm not sure if the shark in Jaws 2 is actually pregnant like it was in the novelization. If anyone's ever read the novelization of Jaws 2, the shark from Jaws 1 raped the shark in Jaws 2 and got the shark in Jaws 2 pregnant. I read that book and it took me forever to get through it because it was so bad. It was definitely worse than the movie. Like, I was so distracted by them trying to just like redo everything that everybody that was involved with the original Jaws movie created like it was established that it's an island off of Massachusetts, and in Jaws 2, the book, the author was so obsessed with saying that it took place in New York, and that's all they ever talked about in the book was like, Amity, Long Island. It's, it's not Long Island, it's Amity Island off of Cape Cod, but I guess the author of Jaws 2 really wanted, he was obsessed with uh, making it take place in New York. I know that people have debated for years whether or not Jaws takes place in New York or Massachusetts. In Peter Benchley's novel, Jaws, Amity did take place on Long Island. Jaws the movie, they filmed it in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. And I don't really think they said what state it took place in in Jaws but everything was implied that it was Martha's Vineyard even though they didn't call it Martha's Vineyard they called it Amity Island but yeah it's Massachusetts it's New England they even mentioned New England a lot in one and two and three four, four I feel like they're trying to make it back in New York again with some things and I'll get into that but yeah this 
that that's been a big argument for a long time was is it massachusetts or it's new york it's it's massachusetts jaws takes place in massachusetts if you're gonna go off the book fine it's long island but it's massachusetts but anyway i I was trailing off but yeah i was talking about jaws 2 not being that bad jaws 2 really isn't that bad there are some corny moments for sure um in my opinion the best scenes are the very beginning when scuba divers are exploring the ocean floor and they come across the orca shipwreck then you get that eerie music the jaws theme and then the great white comes and kills the scuba divers that was super effective super scary i loved it it was a good opening scuba divers capturing the great white shark with uh, the camera was really effective too. Adding the whole camera element in the movie was really, really cool. I like that. That that added a nice element to the movie in my opinion. And the other scene that I loved and was pretty terrifying was Eddie and his girlfriend Tina in the sailboat total teen slasher type of death but also with like the same kind of like scariness of Chrissy from Jaws 1 getting eaten that that was pretty scary when he was getting pulled under the water and he cr- and he gets dragged into the sailboat and then he breaks off the edge of the sailboat and gets pulled under the water Pretty fucking terrifying. The rest of the movie is not that scary. The helicopter death, a little cheesy. The electrocution death of the shark, it's alright I guess, but those two scenes, the beginning and Eddie getting eaten was nightmare fuel. I had a nightmare from that scene when I was a little kid before, pretty fucking scary. But anyway, yeah we're not really talking about two today, we're talking about three and four. I can't even talk about the original one. Not yet. It's going to take a lot of planning to do the original one because it's just so perfect of a movie. I don't know how to... I like to criticize things. There's nothing I can really criticize about the original. It's my favorite movie of all time. But let's get into Jaws 3 and Jaws 4. This is going to be... It's going to be a mini episode. I just uploaded heavyweights and that was 
pushing three hours. So it's we're not gonna. It's not gonna be three hours for this. Would like to get this release right on time for the fourth. So let's get started on this, shall we? This is uh, a little bit of a fight between Jaws three and Jaws four. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna win as the worst Jaws sequel? Jaws three or Jaws four? All right, let's see. A creature alive today has survived millions of years of evolution. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything. One terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it. Then, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the screen. The third dimension is terror. Directed by Joe Owls, and he was the production designer for Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. He's basically the only original member left. Everyone else is gone for the most part. Starring Dennis Quaid as Michael Brody, Bess Armstrong as Catherine Morgan, Michael Brody's girlfriend. Simon McCorkendale as Philip Fitzroyce. Louis Gossett Jr. as Calvin Bouchard, or Bouchard, excuse me. John Putch as Sean Brody. Leah Thompson as Kellyanne Bukowski. I might be wrong, but this might be her very first film. P.H. Moriarty as Jack Tate. This was originally supposed to be a spoof directed by Joe Dante. Jaws 3 People Zero, which I wish was a real movie. And it's unfortunate that Steven Spielberg didn't want to go down that road. I don't know why. I mean, he, lo he loved Piranha. And that was a spoof on Jaws, basically. This would have been so fun if this was a, a Jaws parody. It could have still had, like, scary moments, but, like, these movies are basically Jaws spoofs anyway, if you think about it. So, like, I think it would be, like, more respected if it was an actual parody. But whatever, yeah. It was always supposed to take place in SeaWorld. I'm going to list everything what's wrong with Jaws 3D. And I'm going to list everything that's wrong with Jaws The Revenge. Whatever has more is the worst movie. So... We're going to start with Jaws 3. Jaws 3D. 
Number one, the Jaws theme is weak and not done by John Williams. The music is by Alan Parker, and it's just corny 80s score music. It's not good. Yeah, sure, you hear the Jaws theme every now and then, but barely. You barely hear, like, the dun dun which is a fucking shame. It really is. The theme really does wonders. It could... It could, it could patch up some shitty scenes in this movie. Number two, there's an opening death, but the opening death is the death of a grouper fish. Gets his head bitten off, and I'm assuming that this was done by the 35-foot mother, but it's a 35-foot great white. It's not gonna, just going to bite a grouper in half. So maybe it was the baby shark, but the baby shark wasn't that scary. And this is what you're going to do for the opening, the opening death in the movie is the death of a grouper. Not good. Not good at all. Number three, there should have been an isolated death on a human victim at the beginning of the movie. About 12 hours prior to the opening. That's my opinion. If I wrote the movie, that's what I would have done. An isolated, maybe even on a skier. Someone that, was, someone that worked at SeaWorld. That way it would have built suspense. And no one likely would notice that the victim is missing until later. It could have come back into play later. Someone could go looking for he or she or whoever got eaten by the shark that's a good way to build suspense make it scary it's a lot more powerful than seeing a random fish in the ocean getting eaten I don't know maybe that's why I don't direct movies I have good ideas I, I don't know number four this is definitely a fictional sea world sea world is connected to the ocean in this movie the real-life SeaWorld is in Orlando, which is landlocked. I never thought about it as a kid, but... It's a little weird that, uh, in this version... SeaWorld is connected to the ocean. Unless this is, like, an other SeaWorld in another Florida town that's connected to the ocean. They don't really go much into detail with that. But... This movie is basically like this huge promotional video for SeaWorld. I guess there's nothing too wrong with that. I just thought that was a little odd that they made Orlando a coastal town. But they, then again, they didn't say it was Orlando. Could have been a fictional Florida town. Who knows? I'm not going to get too hung up on it. But yeah, I'm going to put that down as number four. Of what is wrong with Jaws 3D. Alright, number five. Mike Brody, played by Dennis Quaid. He was about 12 years old in 1975, the original Jaws movie. He could have even been as young as 10. And this is not even 10 years later. This is 8 years later. And Mike is about 30 years old. So are we really supposed to believe that Mike Brody is 20 years old in this 
Or does this movie take place in the future? Because Dennis Quaid looks to be about 30 years old. Maybe he's got that illness that Robin Williams had in Jack where he's younger and he looks older. I don't know. He's a 20-year-old. He looks like a 30-year-old. He's got a 30-year-old girlfriend and he's 20 years old. Who knows? Maybe. Good for him, I guess, but I don't think this movie takes place in the future. I think this movie actually takes place eight years later, and they just didn't take into account any of this. Same with Jaws 2. That was a major problem with that as well, is they didn't take into account of the, the kids' ages, and it really takes me out of takes me out of the movie, you know. Number six. Why is everyone so thrilled about Philip Fitzroy's? Is he like supposed to be like a Steve Irwin type of character? Everyone, everyone is so excited to the for the the coming of Philip Fitzroy's. Number seven, Sean. He was about five years old in the original Jaws. He appears in this, and he looks to be between the age of twenty-five to twenty-eight years old this movie doesn't take place in the future, then he is supposed to be 13 years old. 13 years old. Sean Brody. If he's 13 years old in this movie, he definitely has Jack Syndrome. Because he's 13 years old, and he he's a 13-year-old in the body of a 28-year-old man. And he makes it with uh, Leah Thompson, too. So, whoa, uh, Leah Thompson, you're going to get her in trouble. You're going to get arrested. Number eight, let's uh, go to uh, the Overman death. Overman, he was Michael Brody's right-hand man. Um, I didn't mention that Michael Brody and his girlfriend, they work for SeaWorld, and he does a lot of, like, the construction and <clears throat> the engineering of the park especially in uh, the man-made lagoon with all that they have all the underwater shows and the ski shows and the dolphin shows, all that fun stuff. So Overman is Mike Brody's right-hand man, and he goes in the water in the evening to close up the gate that's connected to the ocean. The mama shark comes and attacks him and kills him and invites herself into the lagoon. It had potential to be good, but it was ruined by one little simple thing. It didn't have the Jaws theme. It would have worked much better if the theme was playing. I have no idea what they were trying to go for with the music they used. It was just some eerie spooky music. It's a Jaws movie. Play the fucking theme. The, the faraway shot was cool. 
of the shark lurking a little bit behind, but all they needed to do was the music. They didn't play the music. That means that scene didn't work. It's unfortunate. This movie could have been better. Other than, like, everything, all the ideas I had in my head, this movie could have been patched up a little better if the theme was playing. But, oh, whatever. Fuck it. Number nine. I was talking about the lagoon. The lagoon looks like a pond. It looks like a swamp. You see frogs jumping in there. Do, do frogs like salt water? Do frogs like the ocean? Never heard of a frog in the ocean before. I could be wrong, but there was that scene with those uh, coral thieves going into the, the lagoon and there's frogs jumping in there. I don't know, it seemed like this kind of has the feel of like a, a redneck bayou film or something, you know. Number 10. There was no point of the Brody brothers even being in this movie. There was only one reference about it talking about the sailboat attack. There's no mention of Mike almost getting eaten by the shark in the original movie. They should have just had them be completely different characters. They could have been brothers still, but like, could have been different characters. It just makes no sense. I know that it was a universal decision. They have to be in the movie. It it really made no sense. It was it was irrelevant. It really did nothing for the plot at all. Especially with the age thing, it just makes everything all complicated. Number eleven. It's not clear what shark kills the coral thieves but why did the shark take the blow up raft afterwards it's like it was trying to get rid of evidence or something like all right i'm gonna kill these guys up the the raft is still here we can't leave that behind someone's gonna know we're in here we gotta take that so all right let's get rid of the evidence all right like that's like uh jaws the revenge smart like are these sharks geniuses like the, the shark in Jaws of Revenge? Number 12. When the one coral thief gets knocked off the raft into the water, it doesn't look like any shark is attacking it. It looks like he was just hanging off the raft and rocking it back and forth and he threw himself in. That was supposed to be a shark that knocked him off the raft, but he definitely, it was so obvious that he threw himself off the raft into the water. They didn't do any point of view shot of coming up to knock him off the raft or anything. The suspense was fucking awful. I didn't even know what the fuck was going on the first time I saw this scene. Number 13. Overman's girl knows that Overman is missing now and she's yelling about how she's sick of him and then yelling, I don't mean him no harm. It's like a really bad like country song like I'm sick of my man all he does is drink I don't want him to come home but I don't mean him no harm sounds like 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 the rebel radio station in GTA or something like it was really obnoxious 
This uh, the actress that plays his Overman's girl was really hamming it up with the acting. Very hammy, like a little too hammy for a Jaws sequel. Number fourteen, when the sh baby shark attacks Mike and Catherine, it swims backwards, and that's like a theme of this movie: the backwards swimming. Sharks can't swim backwards; it's just not possible. Deep Blue Sea definitely got the backwards swimming from this movie. I, I, I have a feeling. Number 15. Fitzroyce wants to kill the baby shark, but Catherine doesn't want that. She wants it in captivity, which is just as good, good as killing a great white shark. Well, I don't know if it's occurred to any of you all, but there isn't a great white alive in captivity anywhere. Now, we're unique here, Calvin. You know that. If any facility can maintain a white, it's us. Don't you realize that we could be the first people on the planet to have a great white alive? Great whites aren't in captivity for a reason. And she's a marine expert. She should know that. But she insists on being the first place to have a great white in captivity. Why is it that no other places? have sharks in captivity because it just doesn't work out they'll die do you want to fucking kill a great white well they did they killed two of them it's a little off topic but um, back when I was a little kid I thought that SeaWorld did have great white sharks and um classmates in first grade told me that uh, they did shows in front of people in front of a live audience where they have volunteers from the audience jump in the pool and if they swim from one side to the other and survive they get a prize but if the shark kills them then that's the end of that and uh, the shark eats a tourist in the pool in front of everybody and I actually believed it and I'm pretty sure these kids probably thought it was real too but yeah uh, some good old Florida entertainment I guess but anyway where was I number 16 almost all the 3D gags are pointless they barely involve the sharks there was a 3D gag with a syringe, for example. There was that arm gag. Just very, like... I guess it was, like, the time when 3D was, like, sort of... Sort of new. And they were just like, let's just see what we could show in 3D. But it could have involved more sharks. Number 17, I'm pretty sure this whole time they've left Sean in the dark. From other, from everything these brothers have been through, I can't see Mike hiding this from Sean. Especially that he's going to the park. Like, should I at least give his brother a heads up? Like, hey, Sean, you know, I know what we went through in Amity. I just want to let you know that we found a shark in the lagoon, so... Just to play it safe, um, I wouldn't go in the water. And Sean would probably be like, 
I wasn't going to go in the water anyway, but thanks for looking out. No, none of that. Number 18. It was mean-spirited how the baby shark died so fast. That's right, I said it. I don't even know what the point of it was to capture him because he died, like, right away. Like, like why did they kill the baby shark so fast? What they should have done was either use the baby later to try to defeat the mom or kill the baby or no, not kill the baby or kill them kill the mom off at the end and then release the baby into the wild at the end but <laughs> the baby shark just like died right away it's pretty ridiculous number 19 So, Overman's body, it was pretty cool, it was gruesome, his skin was ripped from the body, but it looked like he was skinned, it didn't, there were, I guess there were some teeth marks in there, but it looked like he was like murdered by a serial killer and not like a giant great white shark, Look, don't get me wrong, his mutilated body was pretty awesome. This is a giant great white shark and his body was pretty intact other than his arm being missing. His muscle is on his body. It just looks like he was like skinned by Buffalo Bill or something. Oh my Oh my god. Come on, come on. Number twenty. So it's revealed that the shark Mommy, she was hiding in the filtration pipe in the lagoon. How did she survive in there for maybe two days? So I'm assuming that the baby shark killed the, the coral thieves. But the mama was in the filtration pipe, just hiding out in the filtration pipe in the lagoon. I don't understand how she survived. Is there, an is there an explanation for this? If you're a shark expert and you're listening, don't hesitate to send me a message. Explain to me. If you're a Jaws expert and you know about this, don't hesitate to send me a message. Leave a comment. Tell me. I'm just straight up confused about it. I don't even fully understand what the filtration pipe is. All I know is that mommy shark was hiding in there for a couple of days laying low. Number 21. Not only that, but the shark is swimming backwards out of the pipe. Backwards again. This is like the theme of this movie, is swimming backwards. I will give it credit, though, like showing like the fin and the tail. As Dennis Quaid and Bess Armstrong are telling Lou Gossett Jr. about the situation that it was the mom shark that killed Overman. And it kept on showing the tail and the fin. Scary. Very scary. And they actually had the theme. That's why it probably worked. Because it had the theme. But it was still swimming backwards out of the filtration pipe 
This must be a, a very advanced type of shark. Maybe the shark was made in a lab somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> you talking about the damn sharks, mother? Number 22. The scene when the mama shark is chasing the skiers, no one died. This would have been such a great opportunity for the shark to be picking off skiers one by one. This might have been able to save the movie. And if they did it right, it could have still even got a PG rating. Maybe a PG-13. I don't know if 1983 there was PG-13 yet. Could have been a PG still. Showing the shark just pulling skiers off and dragging them under the water one by one. Panic. Uh, skiers are trying to, frantically trying to swim to safety. The shark keeps on coming and just picking them off, eating like three or four of them. It would have been great. Blood floating up on the water. All the tourists are screaming frantically. It would have been great. Missed opportunity. I wish I wrote this movie. If I was alive then, I was a writer, I would have saved this movie. This movie would have been good. Number 23. Sean and Kelly. Leah Thompson got knocked off their bumper boat when they're standing on it because some fat old man wanted to be a dick, which was pretty fucking hilarious. Also, when the mama shark attacks Kelly, it's quite terrifying when she lifts her out of the water. Under the surface, though, the attack doesn't look that serious. It just looks like the shark is just gnawing a little bit on her leg. She gets bit in the leg. And she, like, almost like she's being attacked by a normal-sized shark. That's probably like what a shark attack is a lot of the time. But this shark is so fucking huge. By looking at this thing, that shark would have bitten her right in half. She just had a little bit of a flesh wound on her leg. Kelly's fine. <laughs> Number 24. How long were they hanging on the bumper boats? It seemed like a long time. Like seemed like they were on there for like four hours. That's what it seemed like. Number 25. Also, they should have just scrapped the bumper boats all together. Kelly was a skier. She should have been skiing. And the mama shark was eating the skiers and she was in danger. Hear me out with this. It would have been better to see Sean overcome his fear of the water to jump in the water to save her. This also leaves Sean getting attacked and not Kelly. He could have survived and Kelly would be the one going in the ambulance with Sean instead of the other way around. Sean would have overcame his fear to save the day. Just like his father in Jaws 1. Damn it. I should have wrote this movie. Number 26, Catherine thinks the mama shark could get in the pipe that the dolphins use. How would that shark fit in the pipe? That pipe looked like it could barely fit the dolphins. How was a 35-foot great white going to go in there? She was really afraid of that. It just doesn't make sense that she would think that. Should I leave the gate open? Cindy and Sandy are out there. No, they're gonna have to take care of themselves, Liz. We can't take our chance on that big 
getting in there. Number 27. When the mama shark is chasing the Taurus in the tunnel, you don't see the shark from the perspective of the Taurus. When I first saw this, I was like, where are they running from? You only see the shark swimming to the outside, and it barely looks like it's chasing them until she comes right up. And I don't even think the scene was in 3D. It really would have been redeemable if the scene was in 3D. But if it was, I didn't notice it. I've also never seen this movie in 3D. I've only seen it 2D, you know. Never never seen... I don't think they ever did a... They never did a theatrical re-release of it in 3D, which I would like to see. I know that the original Jaws is getting a re-release in 3D. <laughs> Number 28. Calvin Bouchard's assistant tells the press about the people being trapped in the tunnel and mentions that seven people are injured at the beach. I only saw Kelly get hurt. Now, if they had the shark attack a bunch of skiers, that would have been a different story. Number 29. The shark is just so damn slow. It's just a big dum-dum, this shark. When the shark is being lured into the pipe, it is slower than a snail. Fitzroy's could have got out of there. Great whites are very fast swimmers, and it would have been scary to see a 35-foot shark with speed. Now, this scene, Fitzroy's gets eaten by the shark, and it's amazing, with him in the shark's mouth, screaming and suffocating in there. It was fun. That was like the that was like the best death of the movie. Seeing Fitzroy's getting eaten like that. I give credit when credit's due. Number thirty, the shark reverses out of the pipe again. That's the theme of this movie. I keep saying that. Number thirty-one. The shark seems to be growling and snarling at the dolphins in a mini dolphin versus shark showdown, which I don't hate. The dolphins are trying to save the day, but the shark is snarling and growling at them. It was very bizarre. Number 32. The chase when the shark gets over fighting the dolphins is chasing Dennis Quaid and... Bess Armstrong. The chase is just very anticlimactic, considering that this is closing into the final showdown when the shark is chasing Dennis Quaid and Bess Armstrong. Number 33 is the shark crashing through the glass. The shark doesn't even look real. When I first saw this, I thought they were just watching like a monitor, like a surveillance monitor. But uh, it's the window to the ocean, and the shark knows they're in there, and he's swimming to crash through the, the window. The shark doesn't even look like it's moving. Number 34, when the shark does crash into the glass, it stops moving altogether. I know that this was supposed, this was 3D, and that's why they did it. But it was so corny looking. It's like, this is why no one likes this movie. 
I don't understand why people hate this movie more than four, but we'll get into that. Number 35. When the shark is stuck in the control room, it fully eats nephew, you know, but Fitzroyce is still in his mouth, so he completely ate Calvin Bouchard's nephew, swallowed him down, but Fitzroyce is still in the shark's mouth, like barely like chewed on, like was he swallowed whole and was gagged back up? I don't understand that at all, like makes no sense to me. Number 36. The shark is trying to swim backwards again. This is a very extraordinary breed of great white, I guess. So anyway, they pull... Uh, Fitzroyce has a grenade in the shark's mouth. Dennis Quaid pulls the pin. The shark blows up, and there's another, like, one final, like, 3D gag. I think it was the final 3D gag of the shark's jaws flying towards the screen. say number 37 will be the final number of the list of Jaws 3 there was cartoon dolphins at the end Bess Armstrong is looking for her dolphins the dolphins show her that they're okay and she's celebrating she doesn't give a shit that uh, Calvin's nephew just got chewed up she just cares about the dolphins but the very final sequence you see these cartoon dolphins jumping out of the water. And that's the end of the movie. Now I'm gonna I'm not gonna hate this movie that much. I, I do like this movie at times. It's fun, it's mindless. It's fun, it's mindless. It's not four. Personally, in my opinion, Jaws of Revenge might be the worst piece of shit movie of all time. Now, we're going to get into Jaws of Revenge, and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, Jaws of Revenge has more numbers than Jaws 3 does. Like every other sentence, I found something wrong with Jaws 4. So let's get into Jaws 4. Jaws the Revenge. Instinctively, man has always been drawn to the sea. Its beauty, its mystery, its secrets. But there is also a vague uncertainty 
a sense of intrusion into an alien world where man is unwelcome and completely at the mercy of the most terrifying predator on Earth. Man's deepest fear has risen again. Jaws, the revenge. This time, it's personal. Chief Brody's widow believes that her family is deliberately being targeted by another shark in search of revenge. Directed by Joseph Sargent, starring Lorraine Gary as Ellen Brody, Lance Guest as Michael Brody, Mario Van Peebles as Jake, Karen Young as Carla Brody, Michael Caine as Hoagie, Judith Barcy as Little Thea, rest in peace, Mitchell Anderson as Sean Brody, and Lynn Whitfield as Louisa. Right off the bat, again, what the fuck is up with the score in this movie? Let's start with that. Sort of like Jaws 3D. What the fuck is up with the, the score? Like, it's barely, barely, I'll say it again, barely anything like the original. And you gotta stick with the original score. So there's that. Also, horrible title. When it says Jaws of Revenge, it just did not have like that that classic Jaws font, you know? You know what I'm talking about. That's number two. The horrible titles. And number three, this is as the shark is swimming around the harbor. It appears to be breaching like sticking its head out of the water as it's swimming and no they could stick their head out a little bit but like it seems like he's just sticking his head way out which he does in the movie when you see this abomination of an animatronic shark but this shark is like breaching like it's a whale as it's swimming around the harbor number four the shark appears to be swimming around the harbor area looking for Brody's to pick off. Yes, that's the reason why it's swimming around the harbor of Amity Island in December. Yes, Christmas time. The shark has a vendetta against a certain human family seeking them out during the Christmas season. You know, when the shark's like migrate to warmer areas the shark stuck around for the Christmas season just to try to kill the whole entire Brody bloodline number five after we watched the point of view of the shark swimming around and breaching in the harbor for about five minutes we see an eye are we supposed to think this is the shark are we supposed to be scared it's a fish eye. It's not the shark's eye. It's a it's a fish that Ellen Brody is cooking for dinner. And this fish is actually scarier looking than the shark in the movie. Number six, something about her s s referring to Martin 
being the greatest tomato thief of all time was just cringy to me. Like, I've never heard of that before. A tomato thief? What the fuck is a tomato thief? As Sean Brody is eating, like, carrots or something. It's not even a tomato, so, like, he's a carrot thief, not a tomato thief. Number seven. Sean Brody looks like Marty McFly. And that bothers me for some reason. It shouldn't bother me, but yeah, he he looks like Michael J. Fox as Sean Brady. He really changed from the, the third one. Now, apparently, this movie completely ignores the third one. Like, this one is supposed to be better, but it's worse. Uh, like, I don't know why they had to write off three like uh, they thought three was such an abomination and this one is going to class up the series again whoa i don't know but number eight let's do some math again so this movie came out in 1987 sean appears to be in his early 30s in this and sean in the original movie was about five years old this movie came out 12 years later so either this takes place in the future or once again he has jack syndrome because sean would be about 17 years old now i've heard about 17 year olds being cops but it's very rare and he doesn't look 17 he looks like he's 30 years old and he's a cop he should be still in high school if it didn't take place in the future so he might be a 17-year-old cop with Jack Syndrome. Number nine, the dialogue between Sean and Ellen is so bad. The writing must have took like five minutes. You're almost as sneaky as your father was. He was the tomato thief of all time. I know what you're doing. I'm hungry. I'd let you finish dinner before you eat it. Chop this. Sorry, fellas. Oh, Mom, tomorrow night, we're going with Tiffany to buy a Christmas tree. Okay, but a small one this year. Watch your fingers. No way, a big one. Ow, shit. Are you okay? Yeah, it adds flavor. Number 10. We were talking about this. Why does Sean have an obnoxious New York accent? It's confirmed that Amity Island is off Cape Cod. Only the Jaws book and the novelizations take place on Long Island, New York. So why is the guy behind Jaws of Revenge, like, so passionate about making these characters have New York accents? Marty and Ellen are from the city of New York, but they moved to the island. The kids should not have accents. Number 11. Why did they bring Polly back? She's played by someone completely different. And other than them referring to her as Polly, you wouldn't know. It could have been a different character. It was just... They they keep on... This Jaws 4 just keeps on referencing back to the original. And it's not necessary. I love Polly. Polly's a great character in the original movie. 
but they did not need to bring her back, especially if she was going to be played by somebody else. Number 12. The picture of Martin Brody on the wall. We get it. We get it. He's dead. He was a hero. He did get fired at the... He did get fired in two. Maybe they gave him his job back after he saved the day, after he saved Mayor Vaughn's son, after he saved all those other kids. Probably caused uh, a huge blackout on the island after electrocuting the sharks. Uh, who knows if they let him have his job back. Like, Martin, you caused a power outage on the island. It's going to take months to fix it now. So we appreciate you saving the kids by... Because he went about this way, you're not gonna, you're still not going to be the sheriff. Sorry, I don't know. But the picture was like, oh, see, see. Roy Shire didn't want anything to do with this movie. He didn't even want anything to do with the second or third one. So I, don't, I wonder how he feels that his picture is in this movie. He probably got paid a little bit for it. Number thirteen. So Sean Brody is getting called about a boo a damaged buoy or something he's got to fix a damaged buoy it's always you know small town issues for the cops and lenny is supposedly the sheriff of the town but he's off doing cow tipping cow tipping is there is there farms on Amity Island? I I think that's uh I don't think there's any farms on Amity Island. So why is there cow tipping going on? Even Sean seemed a little surprised about it. He kept on saying cow tipping. It was just a little odd. And another reference, Lenny, but you don't see him. Uh, you don't see him in this movie. I guess he uh I guess Jeffrey Kramer didn't want to be in this movie either. Smart dude. All right, number 14, the band practice on the dock. The director or the composer acting like an angry New Yorker. This is supposed to be Massachusetts, and this guy's like, Ah, oh, where the hell is my tuba player? Get your ass over here. He sounds like, like an angry film director meets like a football coach. You, you teach band, man. Just fucking annoying. More New York... New Yorker stereotype. That's on an island in Massachusetts. I don't know why the genius behind this movie was so adamant about this, but he was. I said this before, but this will be number 15. Three is supposed to be unrelated to four, like four is supposed to redeem itself as a sequel. Yet it turns out it's the biggest joke out of all of them. Like there are like I guess like the plan was like, alright, so we you Universal really screwed up with Jaws three. We realize we realize it so we're gonna make it up to you guys by writing off Jaws three. 
Jaws 4 will be a direct sequel to 2. We, we, we're sorry. We're going to bring... We're going to bring it back. It's going to be good again. It's, it's like probably... The, it might actually be the worst movie of all time. No joke. Number 16. Regardless of whether or not 3 is canon or not, why would Sean be on a boat when he was traumatized with what him and his brother and father have all been through in the previous movies? Number one, he witnessed his brother get attacked by a shark. Two, he was on a sailboat watching his friend getting swallowed whole in front of him by a shark. Why is he? Why does he still live on the island? At least in the third one, like he he moved off to Colorado because he didn't want to be involved with the ocean, which makes sense. This one, he's like a deputy, following in his dad's footsteps. It's almost like maybe he doesn't remember. Maybe he doesn't remember having any encounter with sharks. Maybe he got that Men in Black flash. I don't fucking know. Number 17. The shark destroyed a buoy to set a trap. That's right. The shark set a trap to assassinate Sean Brody. This was all a big plan. How does the shark know that Sean Brody is a cop? Does this shark know how to read minds? This shark knows how to read minds. This shark knows about the Brodies. All knows everything about the Brodies. So the shark knew if he sabotaged a buoy, Sean would go out there to fix it, and then that's when he could attack Sean. Smart. That's like smarter than like an orca whale. So, Sean goes out there to fix the buoy, and the shark comes up and attacks him. Sean doesn't notice his arm is gone until he reaches over. And you can tell that the shark, uh, that the arm is under the jacket, and that's number 18. Number 18 is, he, d he doesn't notice that his arm is gone, and you can tell that he's hiding his arm under the jacket. Number 19 is, that he continues to lean over the side of the boat, like he's inviting the shark to come take him. If he was scared for his life, maybe he should go and radio in for help instead of hanging over the edge of the boat. And I'd even list this, but he's screaming like Marty McFly. Number 20. The shark didn't eat Sean. He deliberately drowned him and left his body intact. This is all just a hit. Maybe this is like another like New York thing, like it's a mob thing, like the shark is in the mafia. It's like the shark mafia. The shark uh, whack whacked Sean. And he was even respectful enough to not fuck up his face so he could have an open casket funeral. Number 21, when Ellen goes to examine the body, Another Amity cop gives Ellen all his police belongings. Here, take your son's gun, his uniform, his handcuffs, you know, maybe for a souvenir. Why, why would the cop think that Ellen would not want all that stuff? She's already crazy as it is. One thing she doesn't need is a gun. Number 22, let's do more math again. 
Michael appears to be the between the ages of 35 to 40 years old in this. In the original, he is probably about 12 years old, which we discussed. Maybe 10, but probably 12. He should only be about 24 in this, but he's a middle-aged dad. Does he have Jack Syndrome? Probably. I mean, he's 24 years old. He looks like he's 35, maybe 40 years old. I don't know. The beard puts some years on you. So, but he's definitely not, I mean, he's not played by a 24-year-old. But I guess he's supposed to be 24 years old. And he's a pretty successful marine biologist living in the Bahamas. And he's 24 years old, and he's stuck in the body of a 35-year-old man. Unless it's the future, which I doubt it is. And if it is a future, it's a future where sharks can read minds and stock families. Number 23. Mrs. Kittner and Mrs. Taft are there. You know, from the original. For fan service, I guess. Like any fans ask for that. It's good to see that Mrs. Kittner has forgiven the Brody family because in the original one, she seemed pretty upset that Martin didn't close the beaches even though it wasn't his fault. But she bitch slaps the fuck out of him in number one. And it seems that she's become close with the Brody family. But it was unnecessary. This movie really wants to call back to the original. It brought that Karen, Mrs. Taft back, and Mrs. Kittner. Apparently, Alex Kittner has a restaurant on Martha's Vineyard that I really want to go to. I've never been to Martha's Vineyard, but I'm going to go there one day. It's on my bucket list. Maybe Mrs. Taft will be there and I'll have her slap me. Oh, wait, never mind. I think she passed away. Damn it. So she can't slap me now. Number 24. They don't really make it clear whether or not people know it's a shark attack. It's obvious that he probably had teeth marks, and he obviously had a missing arm, but it seems to be implied that people think it's a boating accident. Except for Ellen, of course, because she thinks everything is a shark. Like, someone died in a fucking car accident, she thinks the, the shark's involved. Like, plane crash, the shark did it. Heart attack, the shark did it. HIV, shark. Gunshot victim, the shark was involved. Terrorist attack, shark. 9-11, it was the shark. COVID-19, it was the shark. Number 25, Ellen is also saying that the shark gave Martin Brody a heart attack, like what I just said. The shark was tormenting him for years until he died, I guess. It, why, why the fuck does she still live on the island if she's so fearful of the shark? She should have moved to Colorado like Sean did in 3. Like, what's keep what's keeping you on the island? You, this, this shark is terrorizing you. Move. Move to the Rocky Mountains. I mean, going off the logic of everything, the shark probably would follow her there too. Number 26. If 3 is canon with 4, no one seems to really know for sure, then why would Sean 
move from Colorado to Amity to become a cop. I guess it isn't related to three at all, but you know, I just put this in there just uh, up the numbers because I hate this fucking movie. Number 27 was when Michael and his wife are walking on the beach and he's yelling something about a piece of wood. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. What about the piece of wood? Like the driftwood that he was hanging onto when he was getting dragged under? It was a piece of wood. It was a shitty piece of wood. Michael. Number 28, when he's talking and then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, blah, and he just runs off like, He's like, yeah, and he just runs. Like, what? Why, why was he talking? And then mid-sentence, he just runs off. It just seemed really awkward. Like, it wasn't in the script or something. Like, maybe it almost seemed like he forgot his lines or something, and he just ran off. It was just very awkward and weird. And every podcast I've ever listened to talking about this movie, they seem just as flustered and confused about it as I am. Yeah, he was always tagging after me with the kids, you know. He always wanted to do it. I was. Nowhere, going? Nowhere. Number twenty-nine. Lorraine Gary has flashbacks of. Martin and Sean at the dinner table and one when they're copying off of each other. The flashbacks are, they have this orange shade to them. And every time there's a flashback, there's orange. And it's really, really annoying. Number 30. Lorraine Gary's ugly crying on the ferry. I think you know what I'm talking about when they're on the way to the airport going to the mainland and she's ugly crying on the ferry oh my god like it was tough it was tough to listen to very forced number 31 more annoying New York accents, this time from Mike's wife. She was actually in The Sopranos. She was one of the FBI agents, if you recognize her. Number 32. We all know that Michael Caine, Hoagie, he's a drug runner. It's obvious that he's a drug runner. He, he flies back and forth dropping off drugs so why do they fly in on a drug plane especially with the little girl hoagie is a gamble addict that lives in the bahamas and makes money flying drugs that's how he fuels his gambling problem makes money smuggling drugs i don't know why they would trust him uh, that's number 32. Number 33. His name is Hoagie, for crying out loud. It would make sense if he was like a fat Italian dude from Philly. But he's just like an, Austra uh, an Australian dude, or a British dude, that lives in the Bahamas, and he 
runs drugs on an airplane. Why is his name Hoagie? Number 34. This is a Christmas movie. It's not a summer movie like the other ones are. It's not a good old American 4th of July movie like the original is. This is a Christmas movie. It's like Die Hard. Or Batman Returns. I don't know why they went the Christmas route. It's a Christmas horror movie. Trying to be like Black Christmas or Silent Night, Deadly Night or something. Number 35. Dramatic music as Ellen is yelling at Thea to get down from the dock swing. She's swinging over the dock in like two inches of water. And she's yelling at her with this like, like menacing danger music is playing, but nothing's even happening. Like, if something was going to happen, yeah, put the menacing danger music on there. But it's just, it's just showing how crazy and paranoid Ellen Brody is. Like, there was no reason for the the impending doom music to be playing as she's yelling at Thea for swinging over the dock. Number 36, the dream sequence. We're supposed to believe this is real life for a second. Ellen Brody won't even take a shower because she's afraid that the shark will get her. Why would she be going in the ocean? I don't even understand why she agreed to go to the Bahamas. Other than that, the dream sequence isn't the worst thing in the movie. It might have been the only suspense in the whole entire movie, but too bad it was only a dream, so that's why it go that's why it goes in number thirty six. Number thirty seven. Mario Van Peebles horrible fake accent. Now this takes place in the Bahamas. Sounds like he has like a like full on like Jamaican accent. But it was like really forced and fake. Now, do people that live in like the Bahama Islands, do they have like a Jamaica E like type of accent? I don't know. I've never been to any of the Caribbean islands other than Well, I've been to Jamaica once a long time ago. I've been to Aruba and St. Thomas, I, I know that's the Virgin Islands, but it's all in that general area. But, yeah, Mario Van Peebles' accent, it's really cheesy. It's really bad, and yeah, that's why it gets number 37. Move your eyes, man! Oh, you're full of shit, man! Number 38, the obnoxious back-and-forth bickering between Jake and Mike about conks all the time. Very unbearable. They're searching for conch shells. I guess it's pretty boring out there. Number 39. The first real look at the shark, and it's obviously a puppet with wires hanging out of its mouth. Twelve years after the original, and the original looks way better than any of the sharks in the sequels. I just don't even understand how this shark in particularly got approved. It's so bad. It... It's a, it looks it doesn't even look animatronic. It looks like a it, it looks like Land Shark in SNL. Land Shark in SNL might actually look more realistic than the Shark in Jaws of Revenge. Number forty. Something that only 
plays a couple of times and never comes back into play after again is Ellen has a psychic connection with the shark. Why? Why why does she have a psychic connection with the shark? It doesn't come into play later. When when did this happen? Like it just happened and then it all of a sudden goes away. She has a connection with the shark. I don't know when she's playing with Thea on the beach, she hears like a roar, so maybe the shark was roaring or she had a feeling the shark was near. We all know that the shark roars, so could be either way, but she has some sort of a mental connection. And it's very bizarre. Every time there's like a psychic connection in a movie, it's just straight up desperate like Halloween 5 didn't little Jamie have a psychic connection with Michael Myers pretty sure she did number 41 this must be a small island Mike and Jake are working on a marine biology boat right off the beach of the Brody Cottage he is watching as Hoagie flirts with his mother it's a little odd. So, yeah, it's, it's got to be a smile island because Hoagie runs into them, too. Just on a little fishing boat. If you ask me, I think he was stalking them because he, he has a thing for Ellen Brody. And we'll get into this. Number 42. The movie at this point has officially become a romance film between Ellen Brody and Hoagie. That's what this movie focuses on the most. Not the shark. Not the the revenge of the shark, but it's a love story between Hoagie and Ellen Brody. Number 43. The shark is eyeing up Jake in the sub, and he is staying completely still. Sharks can't stay still or they will drown. It's sort of like in Jaws 3 when the shark was reverse swimming all the time. Sharks can't stay still, and they can't reverse. Number 44, as the shark rises up to greet Michael for the first time, hands down the worst music I've ever heard in a movie before. It's not even the theme of the, sh- of the, of the, of the shark. It's, it's, I don't know what it was. It was so fucking stupid and it's insulting. Like this movie is so fucking stupid. It's unbelievable how stupid Jaws the Revenges. Number 45. As the shark is attacking the boat, you see blood. People are like could say, oh, it's paint or whatever. No. Like, he bit it onto that boat and that, the boat was bleeding. Number 46. There's more psychic disturbances from Alan as the shark attacks the boat. She knows when the shark is attacking, and I, I think this is the last one. The, this is the last of the whole like psychic connection thing, because I don't think it ever comes into play ever again. So like, why did they like add this like element to the movie when it doesn't come back into effect at all? Like, it, only twice, like twice in ten minutes, and that's it. She's all distraught when the shark is attacking a boat because she knows something is wrong. But then you never hear about it ever again. 
Number 47. I'm just going to say this again, just to add up the number. I can't stress how bad this music is. It barely has any of the same notes from the original. Number 48. Mike is a grown man, and he's upset that Hoagie and his mom is flirting. That should be the least of his worries, considering what he recently saw, which is this terrible-looking hand puppet great white land shark from SNL thing going after him now. Number 49, they focus on an implied sex scene and romance instead of shark attacks. So far, there's only been one death, and that was the beginning of the movie. At this point of talking about the movie, it's about 40 minutes into the movie, there's only been one death, and they're talking about sex and romance. Number 50. One or two more people could have been eaten by the shark by now, but they would rather have drama between Mike and his wife about forgetting to take out the garbage. Yes, so they could have had some more shark attacks. Just anybody, a random fucking fisherman or something, I don't know. But instead they have a scene with Michael and his wife arguing about taking out the garbage. It's like some like lifetime like melodramatic like soap opera bullshit. Number 51, there's another implied sex scene. So this is a shark movie, right? Well, no. It's, it has Jaws in the name, but it's hardly a shark movie. Number 52, when they're luring the shark to tag him, it looks like the shark has no teeth when he's swimming towards a boat. So they probably use like, they had like different models of the shark, and they used the shark that had no teeth. And it's obvious. I mean, maybe they didn't expect this movie to be digitalized. It's all in HD now. But watching this movie in HD, in this this model of the shark they're using right here, had no fucking teeth. Number fifty-three. After they tag the shark, the fin ba bends back and forth as the shark lowers itself back into the ocean. The fin looks like it has a mind of its own. Now. Shark fins, I'm not a shark expert, but I don't think they, like, jiggle around like that. Number 54. The shark scene is cut short just to show more romance between Ellen and Hoagie. He has the urge to kiss her, and she's like, Are you sure you could see okay? And he's like, I'm a pilot. My vision is perfect. Ugh, barf. Number 55, another dumb dream sequence that Michael Brody has of the shark rising out of the water. Like, who cares? Number 56, why doesn't he at least tell his wife? You know, just to, like, keep the daughter safe. Ellen doesn't need to know about it, but, like, at least so, you know, Thea stays out of the water. And Ellen would be thrilled about that, about that because... She doesn't want her going in the water anyway. Number 57. The dumb mimic scene from the first movie. The daughter copying off the father. Sort of like how little Sean Brody was copying off Martin Brody in the original one. They had to reference the original one again by having her copying off of everything that Michael Brody's doing. It's completely unnecessary.
and they really they really uh want to throw back to the original movie this piece of the worst movie of all time is really honoring the best movie of all time number 58 the shark the shark chase scene when the shark is chasing michael under the water how the shark follows mike into the abandoned ship this would actually work if it was a spoof like Jaws 1 People 0, or Jaws 3 People 0. But this is supposed to be a serious movie, and the shark is following Michael Brody in an abandoned ship and going in every room to find him. Number 59. He empties the oxygen tank to shoot to the surface. He would catch the bends, right? Like, he was pretty deep in, in the ocean, and he emptied his oxygen tank and shot all the way up to the top. There's no fucking way he, he wouldn't get seriously injured from that or die from that. Like, didn't they see Jaws 2 when that guy rushed to the surface a lot slower than Michael did, and he was all fucked up. He got hospitalized. Nothing bad happened to Michael. He was just a little winded. He would have caught the bends. Number 60. The next day, Mike goes back in the water. Just like that. He's had horrible experiences with sharks his whole entire life. One, two, and three, if we want to go off of three. Why would he still be going in the ocean? Like, does he also have memory loss like Sean? Like... A shark's been going after you. You, you. Your mom is crazy. And you think your mom's crazy. Because she's saying that the shark is after the family. At this point, maybe he should start believing her. Number 61. The banana boat scene. Do I got to say more about the banana boat scene? Oh, unfortunately I do. Number 62, when the shark is going after the banana boat, rises out of the water, the shark looks like it's made out of couch fabric. I mean, it looks so fucking soft. It looks like you could just crawl in its mouth and, like, go to sleep. Be, like, nice and comfy in the winter. Number 63, the shark goes after Thea, but eats someone's mom instead. Did it miss Thea, or was it just fucking with Thea? Was it trying to prove a point? Either way, this was kind of mean-spirited because, like, no one else has died in this movie other than Sean, and then some random little kid's mom gets eaten. It's pretty mean-spirited, if you ask me. Like, they could have killed somebody more important. <laughs> Number 64, this could have been a good opportunity to kill several people to up the numbers... And make the shark seem more threatening. Maybe have a good, like, like in three, have a couple of people being picked off. On the uh, For here, like, they could have had some people on the beach, like, off the beach getting picked off. It would have made the shark seem scarier and, like, make threat seem more real. But I guess it's the whole thing. The shark's not interested in killing anybody other than a Brody. Or if, she, if the shark does kill somebody, it's to prove a point. I don't fucking know. Number 65. Ellen steals Mike's boat. 
She knows exactly how to drive it and everything. Steals the boat to go after the shark like she has a plan. Number 66. Mike goes back to the house and sees that his little daughter is all shooken up from being attacked by the shark. And his wife is screaming, why didn't you tell us when he says that, oh, I knew about the shark the whole time. Which he should have, he should have told her. But she, I guess she does have a right to be angry. I mean, this all could have been avoided. But basically, number 66 is Michael's wife's annoying voice. Why didn't you tell us? Number 67 Ellen's on the boat, and she sees the shark, and she says, Come and get me, you son of a bitch. Sounds a lot like smile, you son of a bitch. Another callback to the original. Unnecessary. The worst movie of all time is really honoring the best movie of all time. Number 68. As Michael and Jake and Hoagie are flying in the plane over to find Ellen... They find her, and I see the shark swimming towards the boat. And Hoagie says, is that what I think it is? No, Hoagie. It's, it's, it's not a fucking shark. Like, what the fuck do you think? Yes, it's a shark. Like, your crazy girlfriend's been only been talking to you about the shark for the last, like, five days. That's all she ever talks about. She has nothing else to talk about. Her whole life is talking about this shark. Number 69, when the shark pops out of the water to go after Alan, it looks more hand puppety than ever. It doesn't even look animatronic. I'm wondering if it, it was an animatronic. I guess it was, but it was so cartoony. It was Landshark. Landshark from SNL. Number 70. So the plane lands in the water. Michael and Jake run, to, uh, swim to the boat. Hoagie stays on the plane. The shark attacks the plane and sinks the plane. It's implied that Hoagie got eaten, but nope, he survives. So Hoagie should have been eaten here. He got up the numbers a little bit with uh, the death count, but no, he survives. He surfaces and complains about the breath of the shark. Hey, give me a hand here for crushing. Okay. How the hell you do that, man? It wasn't easy. Believe me. Come on, come on. 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 Some British drug runner. Number 71. When the shark rises out of the water to eat Jake, he looks completely dry. It's not wet at all. Like, it's, it's, re it's really, really bad looking. Like, the worst practical effects I've ever seen. So the shark pulls Jake under the water. And number 72, Michael is yelling at Jake. It sounds like he's yelling no and Jake at the same time. And it's really bad on the ears. Number 73. Ellen starts to have flashbacks of Sean getting eaten. She wasn't there. Number of 74. 
Ellen starts to have flashbacks when Martin killed the first shark in the first one. She wasn't there. Number 75. This is when the shark starts roaring like Godzilla. Number 76, the shark blows up in a very confusing way. I don't know how the shark got killed. I know they were playing around with uh, this machine. I don't know. She, she steers the boat right into the shark. The shark blows up. Makes no fucking sense. It's really confusing. I don't even think the, the filmmakers know how the shark died. Number 77, they start using footage from the first Jaws of the shark sinking. Number 78, Jake somehow survives. Another person that just swims up and he's completely fine. And depending on the version, he might die in some versions, but from every version I've seen, he survives. Which is weird because there was a lot of blood and... The shark was chewing on him pretty good. That's like if like Quint survived, number one. Number 79. Only a body count of two in a 90-minute movie, which is unacceptable, considering that one of the, the deaths like, was just some random person, which is fine if there was more than two deaths, but it was just mean-spirited how they killed that kid's mom. Number 80, I assume that Hoagie and Ellen live happily ever after, which is good for them, I guess. She wants to live a life of drug running. And number 81, of the whole movie, they choose to play the menacing Jaws theme in the credits, which bothers me because once the threat of the shark is gone, there's no more dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That's only when the shark is near. They play it in the credits. This movie was a shit show. So. Jaws of Revenge was the worst movie. By like 40, 40 more reasons than Jaws 3. I really want to know everyone's opinion, what they feel about about what's worse, Jaws 3 or Jaws 4. I just listed off everything. Jaws 3 isn't the worst piece of shit I've ever seen before in my life. But Jaws of Revenge definitely is. Like, I at least have fun watching Jaws 3. The only reason why I watched Jaws of Revenge was to take notes so I could do this podcast. Now, I need to watch the original Jaws just so I could you know, replace my recent memory of Jaws movies with the one and only classic. Meanwhile, before that, I think I'm going to be watching the Beavis and Butthead movie. 
So I hope uh, you all have a great 4th of July. I hope everyone's caught up with Stranger Things. I finished it last night with my wife. It was great. It was way more intense than I thought it would be. Now we got to wait two more years to find out what's going to happen next. But very satisfied with uh, the finale of Stranger Things. I can't wait to watch season five. All right, everybody. Well, have fun. Go to the pool. Go to the beach. Watch out for the sharks. Make sure that no sharks have any personal vendetta against you and your family, so it's safe for you guys to go in the ocean. That goes for the pool, too. If it's a Jaws of Revenge type of shark, that shark could find its way into the pool and get you there, too. Shower. You know, you guys, you all have a good time. Enjoy the fireworks, have fun, drink beer, smoke weed. All right, guys, until next time, thanks for listening to Don the Horrorcast. Everyone be good. Until next time, later.